I will be reading from James 3:17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Be seated. Oh, back is off. Okay, I got it now. I was trying to figure out what's going on. Okay, I'm up to speed now. All right, a little bit of technical difficulties. There's usually a screen in the back so I can see what's going on. It's not happening, so we're back to the catacombs, at least for a little bit this morning. But that's, a, that's all good. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. You know, we're a, a community, a church community, that what our, our goal is to just be simple Christians and get back to the basics of what God wants us to be. And uh, we are walking through this life together just... Um, trying to, to accomplish that little bit day by day and every day trying to look more and more like Jesus. And uh, it's a exciting, exciting times, exciting community to be a part of, and you're welcome always to be here and to be a, be a part of us. Uh, there is uh, something I want to share as well. If you have not gotten the church directories that are hot off the press, there's some in the back. You can see Tricia in the back. Is that correct? Okay. And she can give your, your family a church directory. And as I mentioned before, I made a commitment that I'm going to, every week, walk through that directory and pray for everybody that's in there. And that has been a really rich experience for me, and I encourage you to to do the same, even if you don't commit to do that every week. But just take it, sit down, and just pray through. Um, And just, it's amazing how how God works in in situations and things like that. So just uh, so that you know, uh, you're going to have people praying for you every week with that directory. And I I know others have have told me just quietly that they're planning on doing the same. But uh, what a neat tool that we we can use for for praying over each other in that way. Now, I'm going to share a story about, uh, as many of you, I've shared this sto- some of this story uh, individually, because my family and I went to Alaska and visited in June, and I have a sister that lives there. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to go and, and fish, because you go to Alaska and you go to fish, right? There's, there's all sorts of, of fish that are there, uh, salmon runs that we don't have here in Montana. And so... We went and we hit the sockeye salmon run in, with amazing timing. And how that works is the, the fish come from the sea and they run up the rivers and they spawn up the rivers somewhere. And so we were right near where the rivers and the, and the, um, the ocean there come together. And I noticed with that water, because it's all silted up, I could put my hand just a few inches under the water and I couldn't see anything. It was... You couldn't see anything there at all. And these streams that out in the tidal flats, they were probably not even from here to the back of the auditorium, not very wide at all. And so what we do is, is there's people about a, a fishing rod length apart, just lining up on both sides. Some people would call it combat fishing, pretty exciting. And you throw a hook across and you yank. And then you reel it in and you yank. And as far as I could see, there was nothing there underneath the surface. It was just this tidal river that's moving off on the tidal flats there. But every minute or so, you could look up and down this crew of people, and somebody was, their, their rod was dancing, and there was a fish flopping around. And for me, probably about every 15 or 20 minutes, I hooked into a big salmon, you know, six, eight pounds, some of them more, and pulled them out, but I couldn't see any of them below the surface. It's not like some of the water here in Montana where you can look down and you can see 
way down, and you can see what's going on. But I think of that, is that river there was full of life, even though I couldn't see anything below the surface. I would never have known that it was there by looking, at my, by looking with my eyes. But Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. In other words, just like it's hard when you look into water to know what's down there, it's impossible to see that. For us, sometimes it's really hard to see what our motivations are and what makes us tick deep down. And God tells us that if a person is going to be a person of understanding, you learn to draw those things out. Because whatever motives we have going on inside of us influence everything else around us. Now we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount, and someday, uh, at some point, I'm going to uh, preach through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7, through because it is just rich with a ton of things there. But we're going to look over a section of it that talks about motives and, and why motives are so important when we approach God. I'm going to start in chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so Jesus posts a statement here. But the question really is, why do I do righteous things? Why do I pray? Why do I give? Why do I I fast? Why do I worship? Why do I participate with the church? Why do I do all of those sort of things? And Jesus is speaking here about one motive that's, that's bad, but we'll look at some others. If we're doing these things for show, to be seen by other people, then we're missing the whole point. Okay, he goes into some examples. Let's look at uh, verse 2. So, says, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, you, they have received their reward in full. Okay, so Jesus refers to the religious leaders. I love this picture here. You see what's going on here? Someone in a suit is giving something to this lady who is begging there, and there's a camera there making sure that this is captured. Okay. You see some of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, apparently what they would do is they would go into the synagogues, they would go wherever it may be after they came out of their assembly, and they'd walk down the street and announcing it with trumpets apparently... Look at all the good stuff that I'm doing here. I'm going to give to the poor. Everybody look at me. Look at me. Everybody pay attention. Okay, I've got everybody's attention. Watch this. Not only am I going to give something here, but I'm going to give a lot to the poor. Isn't this amazing? Look at how wonderful and how spiritual I am. And you can imagine the people around there. You know, we're herd animals. We do strange things. All the people around saying, Oh, wow, isn't that amazing? Look at how spiritual that guy is. He's just phenomenal. Look at what he's, he's, he's done. But Jesus continues on. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, I had a a relative, I think I mentioned this in in Bible class here a while back, that I had a relative, a deeply spiritual lady, I'm thankful for her influence that has been passed down to me. She passed away long before I was born. But whenever the collection plate came around, she would put her left hand behind her back and then she would give because she wanted to make sure that her left hand was nowhere near her right hand when that happened, okay? And Jesus' point here 
is it doesn't matter to anybody else. Nobody else's business. Your point when you give, you give because you want to honor God. That's ultimately what it comes down to, and that's all that matters is honoring God. And so you can imagine the difference of what Jesus is talking about is, is somebody... And you see this with uh, the widow who gives the copper coins there in the temple. People were coming in and, and trumpets and giving large amounts. And in the middle of all of this, this widow walks in with a couple of copper coins and places them in the treasury. And I imagine nobody noticed except Jesus was able to say, all right, that's it, right there, that's it. That's it. Okay. This lady is giving generously. Nobody's paying attention, nobody notices. But that's what's important. And Jesus' point for these people that are listening is that if you're giving because you want to be seen by others or because you want to be known as generous, then we're missing the point. And that's the only reward that comes from it. But when we give because God wants us to, because we have, we're pursuing God, then there's greater blessings that come. And we're going to get back to that. Let's continue on. He, he didn't stop there. He says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so you can imagine, again, the religious leaders of Jesus' day leaving the time of assembly and going out on the street corners. You can imagine how this works. They've got their, their long flowing robes and phylacteries and all that. And they start raise their hands to heaven and just start praying loudly. And then open their eyes once in a while, make sure people are around. And then continue to pray loudly. Open their eyes, look around. Oh, there's not enough people. I've got to be louder. I've got to make sure that everybody here is looking at me and looking at how spiritual I am. And there's people standing on the side saying, Oh, wow, I wish I could pray like that. That was amazing. Look at those big words. That's phenomenal. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus says, No, 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 no. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In other words, the pagans of Jesus' day thought, if I say something over and over and over and over again, like an incantation, something like that, and I keep saying those things, then eventually I'm going to get this God's attention, whoever that may be. And Jesus is like, that's not how God works. He tells us to be persistent in prayer. But that's different than saying things over and over and over again. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray the same thing to God five times in the next 30 seconds, and then the next hour I'm going to do the same thing, same words, you know, that sort of thing. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 that's not it. You want to connect with God, you want to pray... And go in your room and close the door. And pray. Hey, God knows what you need before you ask. But just pray. Because the God that we're praying to wants a relationship. He wants interaction. He wants to hear from our heart. He can understand if we don't get the words right. He understands all that. But God just wants us to come and to pray. I know that it uh, talks about being heard because there are many words. I shared this in a Bible class on Wednesday night here a few weeks ago. But I remember, my, when I read this, at least what comes to mind for me, and, and again, when I read Scripture, I want to think of, okay, what does this mean for me and how does, should this change me first and foremost, okay? And so when we think about somebody else, we have to be careful. But I remember as a kid, um, there was a gentleman 
in the church that I grew up that, and it turned out later there were some spiritual issues that came out, but he, on some level, and maybe there was sincerity and, and genuineness there, I don't know, I can't judge all of that. But what I do know as a kid, when this gentleman's name was called for the closing prayer, I thought, no, not him. Please, not him. He's going to pray forever. And I was certain that he was going to pray till the Lord returned. Uh, you know, I just knew that it was, it was going to, it was going to go and go and go. And I just remember thinking, oh man, this is, this is torturous kind of thing. I asked my parents later, how long did that guy actually pray? They said, oh, he's good for 10 minutes. Yeah, he was, he would go for it. But I just remember as a kid thinking, no, please, please don't. And I wonder if we can accomplish a lot in prayer with saying a whole lot less. I think that's Jesus' point here. And you see public prayers all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is not saying, don't do public prayer in the assembly of God's people. What he's saying is, what are your motives? What are your motives in in how you're you're coming before God? And then he gives us some things to pray for. Verse 9, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have all forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you notice the things that Jesus indicates for them to pray for? I just wonder what the religious leaders, the types of things that they prayed for. If they got up and they said, God, would you please kick Rome out of our our area? Would you please... Destroy the Gentiles because they are so evil. We have, we'll, we'll look at a prayer here, here later this morning. But all sorts of things I can't help but think with as corrupt as the religious leaders were in Jesus' day, the types of things they prayed for were not the things that God wanted to hear from them. But what Jesus says, what I want you to pray for is stuff like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. That's what this is all about. I'm going to lift your name up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we want your kingdom to to break into this world. Just as it's in heaven, we want our little piece of wherever we're at to look more like heaven than it does like this earth. And we want your kingdom to to expand here. And we want to... That's what we want. That's what we're really excited about. Give us today our daily bread. Just give us our, our basic sustenance. Forgive us our debts if we have also forgiven our debtors. Help us to be a forgiving people. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep temptation far away and help us to do right. Those are the fundamental things, it seems, that God really wants us to pray for and wants us to focus on. And those things that matter for eternity. And, and that's the example that Jesus gives. And he continues on. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I've noticed when you go through Scripture, oftentimes when there's discussions of prayer or reaching out to God, forgiveness is part of this discussion. That if we don't have hearts that learn to forgive, then we're never going to be effective and God's not going to forgive us. It's just a miserable existence. And so God's, Jesus tells him, Focus on, when you're praying, focus on being forgiving. That's vitally important. He continues on here, and he shares one more act of righteousness. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So you can imagine these religious leaders coming or walking down the streets and their clothes are torn, they look all disheveled, unkempt, and they're walking down the street and they're going, Oh, I'm so hungry, I haven't eaten for 26 days. And people around say, Oh, wow, look at how spiritual they are. I only fasted once this week. I wish I was that spiritual. And Jesus says, No, 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 that's not how it works. But when you fast, put oil on your head, or in other words, use shampoo, clean up, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And fasting is one of those things, again, it's not done in our society as much, and it's probably, maybe we're the society that needs it more than any other, because we live in a place of abundance. But fasting is... Very simply, when you look at Scripture, is making a commitment with God and saying, God, I'm not going to eat for a day, for a meal, for five days, whatever it is. It's completely between you and God. And you dedicate that time, and and functionally how it works for me is when I remember that I'm hungry, the two or three things that I've decided to fast for and to pray for during that time, whenever I'm hungry, it just brings those things to mind, and I think about and I have to pray about those things. And if you've never done that, I recommend you is to, to pursue that, especially when there's big choices in life, when there's something you're wrestling with you just can't find a solution for. Um, pursue that, because God speaks and God uh, responds through, through our, our uh, fasting. But again, it's not one of those things that we earn the grace of God that way. It's just a way of pursuing God because we want to pursue a relationship with him and his righteousness. Okay, we'll come back to that here in just a second. But you see these three things that Jesus talks about, giving and prayer and fasting. If you're doing these things to be seen by everybody else, then you're missing the point. Oh, you look at that guy's face. How many of you can relate to him right now, right? Yeah, that's right. That looks good, doesn't it? Might have to hit Dairy Queen on the way home, right? Okay, so here are some really poor reasons for doing good things, okay? Now, if there's some reasons on here that come up and you think, oh no, this is not good because I've, been, I've had poor reasons for, for doing good things or doing acts of righteousness, okay? Don't be too hard on yourself yet, okay? We'll get to this because knowing, is, is, uh, knowing that we're, we're falling short is a good place to be because that allows us to, to go deeper with God. So think about this. The one that Jesus talks about, if we're doing good things to be seen by others, then we're really, really missing the point. Teen camp, we, have, we use scenarios uh, that we use to be able to, to teach the kids. Military uses them, hospitals use them, fire departments, uh, law enforcement use scenarios in order to learn how to do th- different situations or how to walk through different situations in life. There's things that we do through scenarios that we can't learn from a book, on-the-job training. That's the same type of thing. And so what we'll do is we'll set up scenarios and have kids come through a, a group at a time or pair at a time, and we throw a scenario at them, and they know that, and sometimes we'll, we'll throw a strange direction that what they come into the discussion, understanding is going to happen. There, there's some other twist that, that they have to think on their feet, and it's a really good good teaching tool. And one of them that we did this year, I was the one that acting in this particular scenario, but the kids came in to the chapel there, uh, just a pair at a time, and they understood that they were coming to talk to 
a friend about being more involved in the church when they get back home from camp. And so these kids would come in, and I'd sit down, and we'd start talking about camp and how wonderful camp was and that. And the kids would make some type of pitch that, hey, when we get back to town, you should be more involved in the church. And my response was, absolutely, I'm totally in. I'm, I'm, when we get back to, to the home, I'm going to be super active and super about the church because I did a devotional, shared a devotional for the first time, and I've never had more girls talk to me in my life ever. And I'm going to chase this, and I'm going to start leading prayers, and I'm going to start being more, you know, standing up front publicly because girls talk to me more. And it was fun watching the interaction, okay? But you see the point there is that that's just one way that we can do good things just to be seen by others. And so it was a good teaching tool for all of us, to, for all the kids and all of us as adults to say, what are our motives in, in why we're approaching God doing good things? Okay, think about some others here. Sometimes we can do things, do good things because of guilt. Um, and this only lasts so long. But something, we get to a point sometimes, um, and there's various reasons why this happens, but we get to a point of saying, oh man, I know that I'm supposed to teach Bible class. I'm so guilty that I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm guilty if I don't do that. And, and I, oh man, I just have this tremendous amount of shame and guilt on my shoulders. Okay, do you see the, the problem there? Is that we're doing good things, but we've lost our reason for doing good things. And, and ultimately, if we do things just out of guilt, does that last forever? It won't. It won't. We'll burn out and uh, we end up uh, losing our joy, losing our desire to serve when we serve out of guilt. Or here's another one. We serve because of habit. Well, I take the Lord's Supper because I've always taken the Lord's Supper and I just do that. That's just what I do. You see what's happened there is, is losing the meaning and the purpose of doing so. And um, when we just take it just to take it, we miss out on, the, on the, the reasons and the purposes that can really change our hearts during those times. Or think about this, a desire to earn favor. Okay, here's the, the holy points. Okay, So if, uh, you know, from the mind of some of these people that Jesus is talking about, if I, uh, if I give and I'm, I'm fasting and I'm doing all these things, then it's just like this point in God's big book in heaven that the more good things I do, the more great points that I have, and the more um, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm in good shape. Now, that's not all wrong, but it's mostly wrong, okay? Because what God's called us to do is show fruit from repentance. And, and he calls us to produce good fruit, and, and when we do good good acts of righteousness, and that changes our hearts, and, and we become more like Jesus and all of that. But it's not a point system, okay? Because if it's a point system, then it, we, enter, we start entering into this realm that I can earn God's favor, I can earn God's, uh, God's grace, because I am just so good. And we're going to, again, look at an example of that here in just a minute. Here's another one. Sometimes we can do good things out of jealousy, Oh man, that other person, people look at them as being really spiritual and they don't look at me that way, so I'm going to do good things so that I can look spiritual. Okay, again, we're missing the point there that that will ultimately just, um, just lead us into falling flat. Here's another poor reason. We can do things out of righteous indignation or no one else is good enough to do this and so I have to do this because if I don't do this, 
God's church is just going to fall apart and everything is going to go terribly. Okay? You see the shortcoming in that? Is God has people that are, all of us are gifted in some way to serve in God's kingdom. And oftentimes when, uh, if, if something happened to me, someone else would step in and serve where I'm serving now. Um, no ministry is my ministry. No ministry is your ministry. They're all God's ministries. And, and we serve wherever we can at any given time for a time, and then God uses us in other ways. That's how, that's how God's kingdom works. And so all of these can be uh, reasons that, that, lead us, that, that fall short. Okay? So here's a couple things to consider before we, we're going to talk about doing good things with good motives. Number one, um, something I've, I've noticed and I've experienced firsthand is that rules and rituals can make us look more spiritual than we are, okay? And if that's our, our definition, like for example, there's, I know that there's college ministries that I've talked with people that have been involved in some of these college ministries over time, is the idea was, is that when people became Christians and they were, they were young adults, the idea was, if we can keep them busy on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and have something for them to do all the time, what happens is a person can look pretty spiritual pretty quick, right? Because there's all sorts of rules that govern what you can do and what you can't do. But the rubber meets the road when I don't have structure and I have to decide for myself. Now, oftentimes growing up in the church, I had to make that decision because my parents drug me to church, if I can say it that way. And I didn't kick hard. But on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, I participated in all these different things in the church. But I went to college. You know what? There wasn't anybody there to kick me out of my dorm room and say, hey, you need to participate. And I had to decide then, is this real or is it not? Okay. And so there is, a, just be aware that sometimes we can look way more spiritual than we are if we have a lot of, of rules and regulation around us. But here's, the, here's another side of it. Okay. Number two is... The question comes up here is, man, I've looked at these motivations and I'm trying to, to, to dig out my motivations out of these deep waters that I can't see. And, yeah, I've got some shortcomings here. I'm, I'm missing some things. And so what on earth am I supposed to do about it? Should I not do good things anymore? And the answer is no, that's not the response, okay? And we can do this in some ways, like um, as Paul talks about, be a cheerful giver, okay? Just because I give and on a particular occasion I'm not extremely cheerful about it because I'm wrestling with my faith and is God going to provide even if I give this and, and I'm trying to wrestle through that and I just don't feel very cheerful about it. Okay, that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. It means I should because I need to act my way into a better way of feeling. But understand here with motivations, it's one of those things that we are people in process. And so if you look at this and think, oh man, I've been praying with, because just out of habit and I've lost my heart, I've lost my soul in this process. And I just don't, I don't, I don't get it anymore. Okay, that doesn't mean stop praying. What it means is reflect, back up, change some things up, and continue to pursue God. Okay? Because we as people, I believe, We'll always wrestle with our motivations inside on some form or fashion. And when we get things together, when we get things all laid out and we're in great shape, then something else comes out of left field and we have to wrestle with that. 
And so if you're, you look up here and you think, man, my motivations are lacking, that's all right. Now what you do is repent, you move forward, and work on those motivations. Let's look on how to work on these motivations here. Okay? Doing good things with good motives. So the pure motive that we all want in order to follow God is pursuing a relationship with God to please Him. That's what it is. That's our motive. That should be our motive all the way. Pursuing a relationship with God to please Him. Okay, so it starts with reflection. The scripture I had up there to start with. Let's go ahead and read it. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. You can go ahead and turn there. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says... The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And so it takes time for all of us, and this is where our busy lifestyle can really hurt us spiritually. Because if we live life that we just run from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and, and there's no margins for us to just go on a walk and think, or to take half a day and um, sit in the yard and think, and reflect. If we don't have those times, what happens is we just do and do and do and do, and we really easily lose track of what our motivations are for doing all of these things, running this and that direction, and, and we, we miss out on so much. And it can be really destructive spiritually for us. So it starts with being, making a decision that I want to be a person that reflects on what my motivations are uh, for for doing good things that I'm doing in my life and reflect on those. And, and usually when you start digging into dark waters, there's, you find all sorts of things that you didn't know were there. And that's true of all of us. And uh, God has a way, once we find those things, to help heal those and to bring us into a better place with him. Next, uh, we pursue humility. Look at Luke uh, chapter 18 here. Now we're going to spend some more time on this when we get to this, this part of Luke in the fall. But here's a, an example of exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Chapter 18, verse 9. He says, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. You can hear the people there listening when Jesus said tax collector. They start booing. Oh, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Was it bad that the uh, religious leader there, this Pharisee, was it bad that he, he wasn't a robber? No, that's good. Was it bad that he wasn't an evildoer or an adulterer? Was it bad that he wasn't a tax collector? No, it's all good. That was fine. That's good. God's pleased with all that. Was it bad that he fasted twice a week? No. He can do that. There's one fast, man, in the Old Testament. But the Pharisees of Jesus' day... If you're going to be part of their group, you had to fast twice a week because that was that became mandatory for them. And he says, I give a tenth of all I get. The mint deal come and spices, all that sort of stuff. I have got this. Look at how spiritual I am. His shortcoming 
wasn't that he did all these things. His shortcoming was that he did these things with pride. And instead of looking at the tax collector and saying, Hey, God, you've given me so much and I've been so blessed. I pray that I can be an influence on this person that's here next to me. That's praying as well. And whatever hurts or burdens that this person has in their heart, I pray that I can be part of that solution and, and maybe he can come to love you as well at some point in time. Or maybe he hears this prayer as they're there together of this tax collector and says, wow, that's a heart to serve God and I can learn from that. That's the type of perspective that Jesus would have loved to have seen there. And so just because we do good things does not mean that our heart is right with God. And that's why it's so important to check our motives. Let's look at one more example here. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy, uh, that should be chapter, yeah, 1 verse 15, that's right. And here in, in Timothy, Paul uses this phrase a few different times. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Okay, this is trustworthy. You need to listen to me, Timothy. Okay, this is important right here. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I think, why on earth is that a trustworthy saying that needs to remember? And I believe Paul's, again, not to, to say, I am the worst sinner in the world and I have done, if I put a check mark down by every evil thing I've ever done, I've got more check marks, check marks than anybody else in the face of the earth. I don't think that's his point. But Paul is remembering where he came from and the shortcomings that he has and that where he came from. And he doesn't want to go back there. And so what Paul is teaching Timothy here, here's something that's trustworthy. Never forget where you came from. Because if you choose to become arrogant, you will go back there. The sins may be different, but you'll go right back there. And so for all of us, what it comes down to is learning to do good things simply to please and to pursue God. And the longer I've been around... At my grand old age of 43, and I look at people who have been Christians much longer than myself, something I've noticed is that those people that, that live with joy and live with peace and serve, and they, they just have this, this radiance that pours out of them as they've been Christians for a long time. What I think a great part of that is, is they've learned to distinguish the motives deep down inside of them that prompt them to do good things and have learned that the good things that come out of our life are those good things that come out simply because they just want to please God and they're excited to do that. And so they've learned to simplify life, really, and, and realize that living out the abundant life of Jesus is not about doing things so that everybody sees me. It's not about doing things because I feel guilty and I've got to do this. I'm not, I'm not doing things for any other reason except that. Man, look at the good things that God has done for me. I've got to share this with somebody else. And so today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see what sort of acts of righteousness I can do because I'm just excited to share the abundant life of Jesus. That's something all of us can wake up to do every morning. If you look up on this list and you think, man, I've got some motives. <laughs> They're not okay. All right. So what you do is you repent and you continue to do good things and just work on those motives and allow God to, to humble your heart and uh, so you can look more like him. That's something every one of us can do every day.
If you'd like to become a Christian or you would like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back. The elders are back there waiting to pray for you. And uh, let's sing together and leave this this morning and go out and share the abundant life of Jesus. All of us can do that. Let's sing. Stand. Stand. <clears throat>